If you are enjoying today's Skagit Talks, we need your support now. Please donate today. Go to ksvr.org and press the donate button. Thank you. Skagit Talks is supported by the Associated Students of Skagit Valley College, representing students and organizing activities throughout the school year. Find out more at assvc.com. Today is a conversation about this year's June edition of Skagit County's Relay for Life with Monique Brigham, volunteer event lead, and Amber Lang, cancer survivor. From the Northwest News Network, new rules make it easier to kill sea lions at Bonneville Dam. Vaccine bill set for vote in Oregon House. From the Washington News Service, after collective bargaining win, Washington Assistant AGs look ahead. All this and more in today's edition, now this year's Relay for Life. Good day and welcome to Skagit Talks. This is David Johnson. Today we have two very special guests. We're going to be talking about a very special program coming up in June. As a matter of fact, it's the third weekend in June. It's time for Relay for Life at Burlington Edison High School. And here to talk about that in a lot of detail are Monique Brigham and Amber Lang. Monique, welcome aboard. And what's your role here with Relay for Life? I'm the volunteer event lead for Relay for Life. How long have you been doing that? Two years. Oh, well, going on th- three years now. Going on three years. Mm-hmm. All right. Having fun? Yeah. All right. Thanks. You're wearing a Relay for Life shirt today. It looks pretty good. It's become a pretty big part of my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. Also with us today is Amber Lang. And Amber, you are a survivor of cancer and also involved with the program. Welcome aboard. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Well, let's start off a little bit by just kind of an overview of what Relay for Life is. And I guess, Monique, that's probably coming to you. So what is Relay for Life and, um, and what happens to all the money that is raised? Relay for Life is a walk and a camp out for cancer. It is not a run. It's not a, this big fancy race. You can have a team of one or a team of 20 or more. My team has grown very large this year. It's kind of fun. (laughs) We raise money by getting sponsorships and doing fundraisers, and the money goes to things like rides to treatment, wigs, hats, scarves, that's kind of things, lodging for treatment, and, of course, groundbreaking research. Well, that's one of the questions that often comes up when we think about um, raising money for American Cancer Society is that most of the money goes uh, to someplace in New York or Atlanta or someplace, and it's, it's for research. But uh, it sounds like that's not what the case here is. Some of it actually stays right here in the county. You want to know something really cool? I'd love to. A lot of our research dollars stay right here in Washington State in Seattle because we have some super geeks that are working on some great cures down there. Very cool. Very cool. It's so what are some of the other things where the money goes? I know you were on a while back and we talked about um, some rides or some wigs. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? The uh, Road Recovery Program is a program where they pay for rides for treatment through things like Mercy Cab and just regular taxi cabs, stuff like that. And then there's also volunteers because there's not enough money to go around. Okay. So, um, But there's wigs and one-on-one support. There's a 24-hour hotline that people can call if they have questions. Say it's your loved one and you don't, you're stressing about it. You can call. It doesn't have to be the person with cancer. You can call and ask questions. Okay. Before I forget, what's a good way if people want to learn some more information about this? What's a good website? Go to RelayForLife.org. You can type in your zip code and find us. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. RelayForLife.org. Type in your zip code and it pops right up. Now, Amber, I want to talk to you a little bit about because you put a, a personal look on this. You are a cancer survivor. And in fact, I've been kind of impressed by a couple of tattoos you have. Uh, tell me about your tattoos. I have one tattoo that says survivor and the Latin definition for it, um, which is one that overcomes obstacles and perseveres, and another one that says inspire. And I got those tattoos because my journey has been long, um, but I have had a lot of joy in it, and I feel like I should really use my journey to 
to encourage and inspire other people. Well, I'd like to hear about that journey, but I also want to let people know that uh, because we've only got a few minutes here, you can see the, the longer version of your video. Uh, it's linked to RelayForLife.org Skagit. It's also on YouTube, and if you go to just uh, if you go to YouTube and put in Skagit County Relay for Life, you'll probably see that video. So, Amber, tell us a little bit about your story. You said uh, you've been a survivor for a long time, or you've been involved for a long time. Yeah, I actually was diagnosed um, as an infant with a type of rare cancer, and they told my parents that I would not live to see my second birthday. Um, what's really amazing is I just celebrated my 36th birthday on <laughs> Happy May birthday. 5th. Happy birthday. Thank you. So I obviously overcame those odds. I have had 50 plus surgeries um, to remove tumors that only grow on the left side of my face. They've never grown anywhere else. I, as a result of that, um, all that surgery have gotten some secondary illnesses, which have put me in the hospital quite a bit in the last two years. Um, so it has been a lifelong journey for me and likely will continue through the rest of my life. So I have been involved in Relay for Life in a few different ways, uh, just as a participant. And now in the last couple of years as a committee member and uh, I think a real champion for survivors. Okay, it sounds like quite a story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Belated birthday. Thank we're, you. We're a couple of days from then, so uh, but happy birthday for that. So, Monique, um, there are lots of ways to raise money for this, obviously. I'm guessing you mentioned the team, so I can support a team. But I know I've been involved in, in Relay for Life in uh, Southern California, and they have uh, what we used to call bags of flame. Uh, there's probably a more technical name for that, but there's a way to, to have a, a bag of flame in honor of somebody. Talk a little bit about that, what they're really called. That's the Luminaria ceremony. And okay, they Luminaria, are, got it. They are no longer bags of flame at our <laughs> relay because it's awful to watch people have to stomp out somebody's, you know, loved one's face or in memory <laughs> of. So we use glow sticks, and these are a suggested $5 donation. Obviously, we're not going to turn a kid away that doesn't have any money for Luminaria for their, you know, loved ones. So what exactly is the Luminaria? What's it look like? And, and, and you mentioned people's faces and names. Who does that and how do they get on there? We decorate the bags. We have children decorate bags. If you want to take a blank bag and decorate it and you can take it home, print your pictures on them, whatever you need to do. They're just a white bag that are lit up with really bright glow sticks. And we are... Working on double lining the track this year. I can't wait to see what that looks like. We're also looking for somebody to come and take a, um, a drone picture of it. So if you've got, well, a, if drone, you got a drone, come out and see us. If you've got a drone, you might want to contact Monique. You can do that through their website, which is reallyforlife.org slash County. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I got it all in there. Or just go to RelayForLife.org and put in your zip code, and that will get you there. I want to remind our listeners, we're talking today with Monique Barm. We are talking today with Monique Brigham and Amber Lang. They are representatives of Relay for Life, raising money for American Cancer Society. So we are talking about raising some money. And I know your, uh, your day job, uh, Monique, is with Plumeria Breezes Travel. You're obviously putting a lot of time into this to raise some money. How much have you raised so far? You, can you tell me how much you've raised so far? Yeah, it's close to $40,000. And our goal is $65,120. And we're already $13,000 over what we were last year. Okay. And we're recording this in, in early May. So that's pretty exciting. Yes. That's great news. So, Amber, now you've been involved with American Cancer Society before, obviously. What's your involvement been with Relay for Life? I have been on teams in high school. I walked with teams 
I've been a volunteer to help with events. And for Relay for Life of Skagit County, I am the team ambassador. So that means I am the cheerleader of all of the people that have a team and that I go out into the community and try to recruit new teams. So I'm bringing mayors and businesses and survivors, um, asking them all to come and to have a team and to support Relay for Life. Okay. Well, who all do you think should be coming to this? I mean, you mentioned the survivors and you mentioned caregivers. Who all should be involved in this? Everyone should, really. I think that if you take a look at your life, everyone has been touched by cancer in some way. So this event is for you. It's for caregivers. It is for survivors. Whether you are currently in treatment or you finished treatment 50 years ago, we want you to come and to be celebrated. Okay, so that's a celebration of life, I guess. Yes, it is. It's a celebration of of, of really overcoming something that, you know, is life-changing. Sure, sure. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a sister who has survived cancer twice and father who survived cancer twice. So uh, I'll have a couple of luminarii out there for you, Monique. So make them look good, would you? Oh, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to let everybody know, they can go to People's Bank in Mount Vernon and pick up luminaria bags. Oh, that's so, even better. Yes. Okay, so that's the People's Bank in Mount Vernon right there by Safeway? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Actually, it's in. They've moved it over to Burlington. Okay. So the Burlington one. Yes. Okay. They, uh, People's Bank in Burlington. Well, it sounds like they must be a corporate sponsor. Are there, are there other corporate sponsors who can uh, who are involved in this? Yes. We just had Friend Excavating LLC pick up a sponsorship for three thousand dollars, and they sponsor some of our survivor activities. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. We we have more room for sponsors. Some of the other sponsors are like David Williams Photography. He's our pretty much our on-site photographer the whole day and at all the other events that we do throughout the community. That's great. So, and people can get some more information by that by contacting you, I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I've, I've read about is something kind of a, a tissue matching program through American Cancer Society. Is that something you can talk about at all, either one of you? Yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. The best way to do it is to go to bethematch.org slash yes. They will send you some information. It's no obligation to send it in. But they're looking for donor matches for – it's not – you know, they used to just say it was uh, bone marrow trans, transplants. But right now they're looking for tissue matches, and we have a local guy that is looking for a match right now. I can't say his name because I don't have sure. the release form. Of course. But I'm sure there's more than one guy that's looking for a match here locally. So yeah. if you can check out that information, it's pretty cool. It's not as dramatic as they show it as on TV. <laughs> so check it out. Just check it out. Okay. So this is all coming up on um, June 15th and 16th. Am I right about yes. that? Yes. That's Father's Day weekend. Why in the world did you pick Father's Day weekend? It's because it's also graduation weekend. Uh-huh. And we share the track with Burlington <laughs> Edison High School. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me, uh, Amber, maybe this is a good question for you. What happens throughout the day? I mean, when do I have to show up for the relay? Do I have to be there the entire time? It starts one afternoon and ends the next morning. Give me some more details. Yeah, you can show up whenever you want. You can come for an hour or you can come for the whole overnight. The event starts at 2 p.m. and will be kicked off with speakers. We have music throughout the event. We're going to have a bouncy house this year. Mm -hmm. Every team has a campsite and we'll have games at it. We have food trucks. Uh, So the event goes overnight. And then Father's Day morning, we're going to have a Father's Day breakfast and a dad and me lap. And then we will have... um, a victory speech um, with doctors from the local area sharing about what's what's going on in the cancer world right now. Good. Well, I should let people know that uh, I've been honored. I'm going to be your MC for that event. So uh, I will not be there the entire time. Monica said I can go home for a little while, so we'll be doing that. I don't but, know but why you would go home. Because <laughs> I'm old, Monique. <laughs> 
So um, it, the whole thing starts at 2 p.m. and goes until 10 a.m. And I know we use the term relay for life, but you're not really passing a baton to somebody. I mean, it's not like you only have one member of the of the team on there at one time. Nope. It started out actually in 1985 as one doctor, Dr. Gordon Klatt, doing a run for, I think he ran for 36 hours, raised $27,000 because his cancer patients weren't getting enough. There wasn't enough being done. Okay, so you you mentioned that um, there's some different events in there. You mentioned the, the Daddy and Me Walk and, and so on. Um, I you know I've done been to these before, and they've done, for example, survivors at the head of the pack, and they go first, and and other folks come in. What if I'm still not able to participate? I you know maybe I'm, I'm physically unable, and should I still come by and cheer, or do you want me to stay away? A hundred percent, you should come. We will also have uh, chairs. Every single campsite will have a survivor chair, so you can sit and take a rest if you need to. We will have people there that could. Put push you in a wheelchair if you needed. And if for you, it's just coming and being honored and getting your medal and your t-shirt, we still want you there. Wait a minute. I get a medal and a t-shirt if I give some money? Uh, well, as a survivor. <laughs> if you're a survivor, okay. you get a medal and t-shirt. Don't If you donate and you raise at least $100, then you get a Relay for Life t-shirt as a participant. It sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Also, we're having lunch for the cancer survivors donated, and that is at 1 p.m. Okay. And that's all taking place on the June 15th and 16th. Starts at 2 o'clock. I'm assuming you would like people to get there a little before 2 o'clock and, and get things going. And if you're not able to come, um, you can also go to the website, relayforlife.org. Just put in your zip code. It'll take you right to the Burlington Edison uh, High School connection. That is for Relay for Life here in Skagit County. So um, I read on one of your web pages that um, fighting cancer is more than a pink ribbon. This sounds like it's a good chance to do that. So Monique, what got you involved? I only, only got about a minute left. But what Really quickly, what got you involved? I got tired of watching people die. I lost some really close friends in a year's time, and I showed up to our local Relay for Life, and it just wasn't what it used to be. And I promised one of those friends' husbands that I would fix it somehow. And we have a pretty cool committee doing just that. Yeah, it sounds like the committee has a pretty good leader, and you've got some good um, some good members, that's for certain. Yeah, you, you mentioned about losing your friends to cancer. I went to my 30th high school reunion, and my two best friends from high school were already gone. And uh, But anyway, we're going to do some great some things, and we're going to hear some great stories like Amber's here, who is a great survivor. We've been talking about some great things for Relay for Life coming up in mid-June. Check out their website, relayforlife.org slash Skagit County Wah. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at Burlington Edison High School on the third weekend in June. If you've enjoyed Skagit Talks, we need your donation today. Please go to ksvr.org and press the donate button. Thank you. New rules make it easier for wildlife managers to kill sea lions to protect salmon on the Columbia River below Bonneville Dam. OPB's Cassandra Profita reports. The National Marine Fisheries Service announced new criteria for putting California sea lions on the list for lethal removal. Under the old rules, before a sea lion at the dam could be killed, it had to be seen eating a salmon or steelhead and be seen in the area for five days. That's in addition to hazing the animal with noisemakers to scare them off. Sean Clements with the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife says those criteria were too hard to meet. It's difficult to see those animals in the water and see them doing those behaviors. Oftentimes we'll have an animal there for over a year and we can't meet those criteria. The new rules still require hazing as a first step. But then it's only necessary to see the sea lion eating a fish or see them in the area for five days. That means more of the sea lions at the dam are likely to be killed. I'm Cassandra Profita reporting. Members of the Oregon House voted today on a bill that would end non-medical vaccine exemptions for Oregon school students. KLCC's Chris Lehman reports. 
The bill has generated thousands of emails to lawmakers, multiple protests in front of the Capitol, and emotional pleas for and against its passage during public hearings. The measure would remove the ability for parents to claim a religious or philosophical exemption for getting their children vaccinated. A doctor-approved medical exemption would still be possible. The vaccines are a requirement for children enrolled in public or private schools in Oregon. Homeschooled students are not subject to the law. Supporters of the measure cite the recent increase in measles cases in the U.S., including an outbreak this year in southwest Washington. Opponents say it largely takes the decision to vaccinate out of the hands of parents. The vote in the Oregon House is expected to be close. If approved, the bill would head to the Senate. I'm Chris Lehman in Salem. Now this story from the Washington News Service. Washington State's assistant attorneys general have won the right to collectively bargain and are now planning to unionize. Betsy Charnas explains. Washington State's assistant attorneys general say gaining the right to unionize this year could help solve their job retention issues. The state's 600 assistant attorneys general often fly under the radar, but they work on an important variety of cases, from child welfare to environmental regulations. With support from the Washington Federation of State Employees, the attorneys gained the right to collectively bargain this spring. Eric Nelson, president of the Association of Washington Assistant Attorneys General, says low pay has caused a turnover rate of about 10 percent a year, which affects how well the AG's office can do its job. The complex legal issues we deal with require a fair amount of training, and frankly, you just need to be around for a while to understand the legal issues and to be a competent, high-level attorney on these issues. Nelson says the high turnover also affects morale. Collective bargaining legislation takes effect at the end of July. Then the assistant AG's union can petition to be certified as a bargaining unit. Nelson hopes to bargain a new contract before October 1st. Nelson says the Association of Washington Assistant Attorneys General formed in 2013 and tried to pass similar collective bargaining bills in 2014 and 15, but this year they decided to join forces with the largest state employees union in Washington, and that made the difference. When you have the power of 44,000 organized state employees behind you, that speaks volumes when you go into the legislature to make an ask like this. Nelson says the union is modeled after the Oregon Association of Justice Attorneys, a similar union that is associated with AFSCME, Council 75, which mostly represents public employees. This is Betsy Charnas with Skagit Talks. Here's the national news. The Public News Service Daily Newscast for Monday, May the 6th, 2019. I'm Mike Clifford. Mid-May is now the tentative date for Mueller to testify before the House. Also on our Monday rundown, a new study shows a growing teacher wage gap, plus property owners are seeking justice as pipeline companies seize their land. First, here's our top story. Robert Mueller, the man who led the nearly two-year investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election, has been asked to testify to Congress on May the 15th. Yahoo News reports that's according to David Cicilline, Democrat and member of the House Judiciary Committee. He told Fox News Sunday that Mueller's representatives had tentatively agreed to that date, but later clarified in a tweet that nothing has been agreed to yet. There is a growing teacher shortage in states like Pennsylvania. Andrea Sears reports a new study says that raising teacher salaries could help. 
A new analysis from the Economic Policy Institute shows Pennsylvania teachers are paid an average of 13.5% less than similar college graduates in other fields. According to Stephen Hertzenberg, who heads the Keystone Research Center, the minimum pay for teachers in the state hasn't changed since 1988 when it was set at just $18,500, about what a fast food worker makes today. Everybody deserves a living wage, including fast food workers. But by underpaying teachers, we're not only hurting teachers, we're hurting students, our education system, and our state's economy in the long run. In his 2019 budget address, Governor Tom Wolf proposed raising the minimum teacher's salary to $45,000 a year. Education advocates are asking the General Assembly to include that raise in the state budget. In states like Pennsylvania, raising the minimum pay to $45,000 a year would help attract and retain qualified teachers across the state. Meantime, more than 23,000 Kentuckians received a bachelor's degree in 2018. That's according to another new report. That's a 2% increase over the previous year. The report also found that graduation rates for low-income and minority students were higher than the overall graduation rate. Aaron Thompson with the Kentucky Council on Post-Secondary Education says the state is on track to reach its goal of 60% of the working-age population completing a degree or certificate by 2030. Uh, The governor has clearly stated that he wants this to be the advanced manufacturing capital of the world. And with that, he he has doubled down on his agenda as well as the House and the Senate to talk about how can we uh, ramp up, if you will, of of, uh, those credentials that will fulfill those middle-skilled jobs. Thompson says manufacturing, healthcare, and information technology are poised to dominate Kentucky's employment landscape. These fields tend to require workers with some level of specialized training. I'm Nadia Ramlagan. According to the data from the Georgetown University Center on Education and the Economy, nearly all jobs created in the U.S. since 2008 and the recession have gone to workers with at least some post-secondary education. And after years of debate, Nebraska lawmakers are narrowing in on a compromise bill that would address rising property taxes, a move that could resolve a crisis facing many rural farmers and ranchers. Land values skyrocketed on paper over the past decade, but incomes haven't increased enough to cover bigger tax bills. And as a result, budgets for public schools and other priorities have been stretched thin. Jordan Rasmussen with the Center for Rural Affairs says LB 289 is an opportunity to bring the state's tax code up to date and believes with just a few changes it can benefit all Nebraskans. Taxes have increased, especially for our rural residents with their property taxes over the last few years. The state has not been bringing in the revenues necessary to help fulfill those obligations to educate our students. Counties with high property values frequently don't qualify for state public education funding, and to keep schools open, rural districts have had to raise mill levies. LB 289 would lower property taxes, but as currently written, the state would make up for that lost revenue primarily by increasing sales taxes and removing exemptions from services such as beauty shops and lawn care. Critics say the move is really a tax shift and would raise taxes for nearly all Nebraskans who make purchases every day. I'm Eric Galatis. And finally, Tramel Gomes tells us property owners are fighting back against pipeline companies who seize their land through eminent domain. In 2015, Gary Erb and his wife received a letter from the Oklahoma-based energy company Williams, which stated that it would be seizing a portion of their land for the construction of a natural gas pipeline. However, the couple has yet to receive any compensation for the pipeline, which cuts across their homestead in Pennsylvania. 
Erb says this situation is far from uncommon, as his legal team has found companies have seized land from hundreds of private owners while offering below market value and using legal loopholes to delay compensation. You have these pipeline companies that do this every single day, and they're preying on the uneducated private landowner to not know how to respond. So they they take full advantage of their knowledge and their deep pockets and their scare tactics. Herb went to court and a judge ruled in favor of the company as the Federal Natural Gas Act allows companies to take possession of the land without first negotiating a price with the landowner. In a statement, the Williams Company said they work to ensure that landowners are quickly compensated for their properties. By the way, companies building the Atlantic Coast and Mountain Valley pipelines have also been able to take land needed for construction before paying for the property. I'm Mike Clifford. Thanks for starting your week, news and cruising with Public News Service. We are member and listener supported, and we're online at publicnewsservice.org. Thanks for listening to today's edition, produced by Joseph C. McGuire and edited by Jay Charles. You've been listening to Skagit Talks, the community information and news program on KSVR, Skagit Community Radio.